Friends, we continue today in our sermon series that we began last week titled Blessings in an Upside-Down World. This is a series that invites us to walk through those eight Beatitudes, those eight blessings, those eight blessed R's that Jesus begins his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel with. The way we are approaching this series is to look at each of the Beatitudes through the lens of a different story, a different teaching, a different life event in the life of Jesus Christ. Last week, we began by reading the Beatitudes themselves and considering how Jesus challenges us to look at blessing differently than perhaps the world invites us to look at blessing, that God's blessings are not ones that are simply found in the joyous moments of life, but also in the hard ones. And so today we pick back up with the very first beatitude Jesus offers. Blessed are the poor in spirit, he says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We look at this beatitude through the lens of a story, a parable that Jesus once told. As given to us in Luke's gospel, the 15th chapter beginning with the 11th verse, where Jesus told this story. There was a man who had two sons, he said. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So his father divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and that son began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs, and the son longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but not one, or rather no one, gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him and ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began 
to celebrate. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, send your spirit now that it would fill us, that it would meet the needs we bring before you this day. Indeed, O oh God, we pray that through the work of your spirit, the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and glorifying to you. For you and you alone are our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. What a wonderful and uh, wonderfully convoluted parable this is. All the elements of a, a, a fantastic story are here. There's betrayal, there's greed, there's lust, there's adventure and misadventure, there's jealousy and joy and celebration, there's, there's, jeal- or there's rather uh, forgiveness in this story. You know, I probably read this parable a thousand times, maybe not that many. But like you, I've read this parable many different times and and heard it read. But for the first time this past week, something other than all of those other elements stood out to me. And what stood out to me in this story was the hunger. Right? All the characters in this story are hungry. And for some, even at different points, they're starving. Right? There's the, the prodigal son. He's hungry at the outset for independence, for money, for women. Right? And then when his fortunes turn, he's, he's hungry more in the physical sense. He's hungry for a meal. He's hungry for survival. And then think about the, the father of these two sons. He's, he's hungry for his sons to be happy. And then later on, he's hungry for his sons to be home. If we were to have kept reading a few more verses, we would have met, of course, the, the prodigal's brother, who himself we find is hungry. He's hungry for justice. He's hungry for Fair treatment. You know, it occurs to me that um, poverty, whether you're talking about physical or material or spiritual poverty, it always involves an element of hunger. There's always this emptiness in poverty that cannot be satiated. It either cannot be filled because you can't afford a meal to eat or the meals you can afford do not satisfy. You know, if that's the case, then then the hunger in this story illustrates for us the fact that, that everyone here is poor in about all the ways you can be poor. So why, why would Jesus say, blessed are the poor anything? 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, he says. Is, is this beatitude in some ways uh, imply that God endorses, even desires poverty? Right? Are we to read this, this beatitude and, and hear perhaps God wishing for us to passively accept the suffering that, that poverty in all its forms ultimately brings? Right? Why would Jesus say, blessed are the poor? Does God want us to, to turn a blind eye to, to the evil and sin that so often perpetuates and props up these systems that imprison people in lifetimes of spiritual and material scarcity? Because I have to tell you, if, if that is what this beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, is implying, then then I'm not so sure I want to hear anything else Jesus has to say. I'm not so sure I want to stick around and follow Jesus back down off this mount of beatitudes and into a life of discipleship. You know, I remember uh, asking some of these same questions as an undergraduate in college, it was sort of the first time in my life where, as an adult, pseudo adult, adult in the way college students can be, I was I was faced with these situations where I was I was seeing, in many ways, for the first time, the the poverty that that so many live with, and particularly in the city where I went to school, these pockets of deep poverty and. And witnessing that as compared to the, the wealth of the place where I studied. I remember my pastor, Jennifer Faust, now Jennifer Sheorn, uh, the Presbyterian pastor at the time there. I remember her saying something to me once. I actually checked with her this last week. She has no recollection of saying this, but there it is. I remember her saying something along the lines of like, you know, Alan, people drive past the well-manicured lawns and the meticulously maintained flower beds of our campus. And the wealth here is evident. But within the campus, she said, if you spend enough time, you recognize that there is a very real spiritual poverty in this place. There's a a deep longing, a deep hunger that exists here amongst people on this campus. A hunger to be connected to something bigger than themselves. Maybe that is what Jesus is saying. In this beatitude, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who who hunger for something, for someone bigger than themselves. There was a woman born in 1908 in Hattiesburg, Mississippi named Osceola McCarty. 
She was a tiny woman. Even as an adult, her friends don't think she ever cracked five feet or 85 pounds. She was born an African-American child in the deeply segregated Deep South. Raised mainly by her grandparents and her aunt, she left school at the age of 13 when her aunt fell ill. And she survived. She made money for her family by ironing clothes. She spent the next 80 years of her life ironing clothes, caring for the wardrobes of other people. She started back in 1920s charging about a dime a bundle and then it went to a quarter and 50 cents and eventually her friends think maybe she charged up to two dollars a bundle by the time she got to the 90s hardly spent a dime on herself never complained her life revolved around her work and her friends and her church Many people remember Osceola as someone you would never see outside her home without her Bible in hand, Bible taped up and down the spine so Corinthians wouldn't fall out. She was prone to tell people. When she retired, she sat down with her banker there in Hattiesburg, and he said to her, Osceola, you have saved $280,000, a dime, a quarter, 50 cents, Two dollars a bundle. Asiola, over your lifetime, you now have accrued $280,000. What do you want to do with it? She took 10%, gave it to her church. She took another portion and gave it to two family members. She kept just enough for her own living expenses. And then she wrote a check for $150,000 to the University of Southern Mississippi. A school that when she was college age, had she desired to go to college, wouldn't have even accepted an application from her based on the color of her skin. $150,000 check, this little laundress, dropped off at the University of Southern Mississippi one day to establish a scholarship specifically meant for needy students who otherwise would not be able to afford an education. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You see, when we become poor, and the sense of being emptied of all of those false gods, all of those idols we set up for ourselves and others in this life. When we become poor in the sense of, of being emptied of those things that, that this world tries to define us by, whether it be our well-manicured lawns or our bone-dry bank accounts, whether it be our impressive job titles or living room laundromats. When we become poor in the sense of, of becoming hungry for something bigger than ourselves, then suddenly there is this space that opens up inside of us. 
this space that opens up, that, that suddenly lets God's love, that love that has no qualifiers attached to it, pour in. The space to, to love people who the world might be telling us are unlovable. This space opens up for us to see people who the world might otherwise tell us we should ignore. This, this space opens up to be generous. You see, you, you know that you are in the presence of someone who is poor in spirit. When you are in the presence of someone who seems full of something that cannot be earned and at the same time hungry to share it with others. You know you are in the presence of someone who is poor in spirit when they're full of something that can't be earned and hungry to share it. It's the 86-year-old laundress turned philanthropist. It's the the millionaire who spends as much of her time figuring out how to give her money away as she does earn it. It's the father who wakes up every day and, and peers down that dusty driveway. And it's the child who one day appears at the foot of that driveway yearning for a second chance he knows he doesn't deserve. The poor in spirit, it's Jesus himself who over and over empties himself in order to make space for others, for the tax collector, for the Pharisee, for the prostitute for you, for me. Jesus, who over and over empties himself all the way until the day comes when even the tomb where they lay his body sits empty. I came across this uh, short piece that C-SPAN did a few years ago on Osceola McCarty. And in it, they interview an administrator at the University of Southern Mississippi. And he remarked at one point, and he said, you know, to this day, Osceola's gift to our institution is known around here simply as the gift. The gift an institution that no doubt has received million-dollar gifts many times over, there is one gift that is known simply as the gift. You know, after she made that gift, there was a lot of hoopla and publicity. Oprah came calling an invitation to the White House, awards, newspaper articles. And there's one article where... uh, Osceola McCarty says to the journalist, uh, very simply, you know, I can't do everything, she said, but I can do something to help somebody. And what I can do, I will. And I wish I could do more. Friends, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God.
What a gift indeed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.